0: Come on. Y'all ready? I don't think you're ready. We're about to find out. Well, we're glad you're here. I'm Vic. I'm the college pastor. Um, I, I am um, called out of the bullpen this week. Pastor Carlos has been in uh, Alabama with his dad uh, who's in a battle with cancer. And uh, I want us to pause this morning. We're going to pray for Carlos and his family before we get started. Uh, Father, uh, we do pause this morning and thank you for the death, burial, and resurrection of King Jesus and his blood applied to our sin. We thank you for the hope of the resurrection. Father, we want to pray now for Carlos and Carla and their family, that you would give them supernatural strength in these days. I want to pray for Mr. Jerry and Miss Reba. Lord, that they would feel your power and your presence in these moments. And Jesus, that you would be glorified in them, through them, in these days. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are in week two of a series called Wholehearted Living. Uh, And if you were with us last week, uh, we introduced this idea to you uh, by talking about three gifts that we get uh, out of 1 Peter chapter 1, and those gifts are a living hope, a lasting inheritance, and a ready salvation. And those help us live a wholehearted life. This week, we're gonna look at how we grow in becoming wholehearted by jumping to 2 Peter chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, find your way to 2 Peter chapter 1. Um, In 1 Peter, Peter's writing to a group of people that have been dispersed. They're they're being persecuted. In 1 Peter, uh, chapter one, verse six, he introduces this idea of trials. That hey, you're you're going to go through trials, and then at the end of 1 chap- of of First uh, Peter one, uh, he kind of peers into the future and says, talks about fiery trials, and says, hey, uh, it's probably going to get worse. Some time passes, and he writes Second Peter and it has gotten worse. Peter's context was not unlike the one we find ourselves in. He lived under uh, the Roman Empire, which at the time was uh, the most powerful nation on earth. They had the biggest military, the strongest economy, and they were the most diverse nation that had ever existed. And yet they are in the process of self-destructing. Does that sound familiar? If you have the internet, it does. Right? (laughs) They were experiencing political strife. They lived under Nero, who was one of the cruelest rulers who ever lived. There was economic strife. A fire had swept through the great city of Rome and a lot of businesses uh, have been put out of business. So economically they're struggling. There's social and racial upheaval in Rome. There are riots in the streets. There is religious oppression and the Christian church is persecuted with great harshness under the rule of Nero sounds familiar. And what Peter is telling the church he's writing to and us is that, listen, it may not get better. It might actually get worse. And he does that not to scare you, but to prepare you. So you can be ready. See, a lot of People in our culture are looking at the cultural moment thinking, well, it'll, maybe it'll just pass, right? Or maybe we can figure out a way around it. But here's, here's what we know. you got to go through it. So how do we do that? How do we go through trials and a world that seems to be coming unraveled? Well, I, I think Peter gives us some answers here for how we walk through this world wholeheartedly. And the first thing is this. We have to start with God and the reality that God works for you. Look in Second Peter chapter 1, verse one. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You got you to start with Jesus. We have lots of problems, right? But our biggest problem is a God problem. We are separated from the Creator. And until we are reconciled with God... And that biggest problem is dealt with. None of the other problems matter. So the first priority is, are you right with God? Most religions share this idea that God is other, he is holy, he is different, and we are not. And most world religions, they have a system where it's basically a ladder propped up and you've got to climb rungs of the ladder to get into relationship with this God or to get in right standing with this God. That's called works-based religion. Christianity differs in that we don't go up, God comes down to us. God does the work, we don't do any of the work and then he gives us righteousness. You see it? That's the difference between Christianity and every other religion. God works for you. It's how you become a Christian. You put your faith in what Jesus has done and you get his righteousness. The, um, the word there, obtained, means uh, to receive or that it has been given to you. It's a gift. The, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says it this way. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The great reformer Martin Luther called this the great exchange. I get the righteousness of Jesus, Jesus gets my sin. Think of it this way. If you're a student and you're in school, how many, how many students in the room? Don't, don't be embarrassed. Like your performance dictates your GPA. When you stand before God, Jesus is your report card. Or if you're trying to get a job, you fill out a resume and you go, this is what I've done, this is what I can do. And and it's all based on what you've done or what you can do. When you stand before a holy God, Jesus is your resume. It's all about who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and have you received this gift? You guys remember bookstores? I miss bookstores. There's a couple left. One of my favorite sections in the bookstore was the self help section, it was huge. And, and I liked it because I always thought it was funny, right, because I, I need more help than that, right. I don't wake up in the morning looking in the mirror going, it's a good thing you're here. <laughs> we, don't need, we, we don't need self-help because here's the thing. You know the, the one common denominator in every problem you have? Y- you, We have a God-sized problem. We need God-sized help. We don't need self-help. So right out, some some of you are saying, well, I got stuff I need to work on. No, 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 here, how are you and Jesus? Have you given Jesus your sin and received his righteousness? We've got to start there or we can't do anything else. It's the first priority. Peter uses two incredible titles for Jesus, God and Savior. Jesus is God over it all, right? Isn't it good to know in this world, there is a God who rules and reigns over the chaos. He's consistent. He can be trusted. He's not just God over it. He is Savior through it. There's nothing you're going to go through in your life that Jesus has not experienced. God over it, Savior through it. If you have not received Jesus as your God over it and your Savior through it, you can do that right now. I would encourage you to do that. Just say, Jesus, I give you my sin. I take your righteousness. I'm done working for me. You, God, you work for me. And then, God works in you. Look at verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As a follower of Jesus, we experience this increasing grace and peace in the knowledge of Jesus. That word knowledge there doesn't mean just intellectual facts. It means an actual heart knowledge and experiential knowledge. Peter and his fellow believers here don't just merely know about God. They know him intimately through the person of Jesus. And grace and peace are multiplied because of that. So not only did God do something for you in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, he does something in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, his divine power, that's the Holy Spirit, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. If you underline things in your Bible, you should underline that little three-letter word all. He comes to give you all. That's a huge statement. All. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Here's what that means. You lack nothing. You lack nothing as it pertains to living wholeheartedly Jesus. His divine power has granted, has given to us all things. It means you don't just endure trials, you don't just survive, you thrive. As the Holy Spirit works in you to make you new. This is, this is really exciting. God, God doesn't just make you better. He makes you new, right? You, you can't make dead things better. You can make them new. Look at what you get. You get a new Lord. Jesus. Before we meet Jesus... We're our own Lord and our own God. When we come to Jesus, he becomes the boss. You get a new nature, this divine nature, this partakers in the divine nature. You get a new nature. That's what it means to be born again. You're born the first time. You come out with a sin nature, shaking your fist at God, saying, I'm going to rule over this world. Those of you who are parents know this. It's you. You become a good tree that can bear good fruit, not a bad tree that bears bad fruit. You get a new mind, the knowledge of God. You. Some of you have experienced this. You all of a sudden you like the Bible, right? And before you read it, like this is so boring. But now you, you've got this new mind and you're, you want to read the scriptures. You want to study the scriptures. Because you have a new mind. You have a new power. You have divine power at your access. Things that are impossible for you to do, the Holy Spirit can do through you. For example, maybe there's somebody you're thinking, I, I cannot forgive This person. And the Holy Spirit says, I got this. Power, that's a divine power. And you get new desires. Before you know Jesus, you desire some things you shouldn't desire. Because you're building your own kingdom. Your new nature, once you come To Jesus. Your new nature hates what you used to love and loves what you used to hate. That's good news. The closer you get to Jesus, the more this world doesn't satisfy. God works in you to make you new. Third thing, God works with you God works for you through the death burial resurrection of Jesus to give you the righteousness of Christ God works in you through the power of the Holy Spirit to make you a new person and God works with you not to make you a Christian but to help you grow as a Christian Let's look at it. 1 Peter, 2 Peter 1 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement. So, just like your body needs vitamins and supplements, your soul needs them too. Supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self control. And self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Let let me give you an illustration that that might help this idea of God working with us. Several years ago, I was at Fort Yargo, uh, just just right up the road here in Winder, and uh, the UGA rowing team used to practice there. I don't know if they still do, but they used to practice there. And um, I, I, I don't know if you've seen this. It's an amazing thing to watch. So they've, uh, they're on the water and they've got the, the person, the coxswain who's in the boat. And um, they're the only one that can see where they're going. Right? Nobody, everybody else has their back to the direction they're headed. And they trust the person giving instructions Right? And they're just, they're just rowing. We're headed somewhere. And there's so much unity. It's amazing to watch. Doesn't matter how rough the water is, they just glide right through it. We are drowning in an ocean of sin. Jesus rows up to us, picks us up, and puts us in his boat. That's faith hands us an oar, and says, start rowing. We're going somewhere. Just so so you don't think I'm nuts. Look at this phrase. For this very reason, so he's talking about the verses that have just preceded it, because you've been given this divine power, you have access to these things, you're a new thing, for that reason, make every effort... That means there's something for you and I to do, make every effort. Faith is already present. That's the foundation. So you supplement this foundation means you add to it. And, and Peter lists seven qualities, attributes, I don't know what to call them. They're just seven things that you add to your faith. So Jesus pulls you in the boat, hands you the oar, maybe they're oars, Here's the, here are the oars, right? virtue add to your faith virtue it's consistent character it implies a moral fortitude courage the ability to do what's right and stand alone if necessary virtue knowledge this, this again this refers to practical knowledge Learn by observation and experience. Peter actually uses this same word in First Peter three, in, encouraging husbands to live with his life, to live with his wife, literally, uh, according to knowledge. It, it's this personal, intimate knowing. Add to your knowledge and virtue self-control. As believers, when we build on faith with virtue and knowledge, we must never allow anything to control us or master us except Jesus. Not money, not sex, power, food, drink, drugs, habits, works, relationships. We have one master. His name is Jesus. And we need to exercise self-control. And it simply sometimes just means this. It just means saying no to the things the world offers us. Add to self-control, steadfastness. It means just keep the main thing, the main thing. Stay on the narrow path when everything around you is in utter chaos. The storm has gathered around you. Listen to Jesus. Just like the coxswain in the rowboat is saying, giving instructions. And you know what, you know what, here's the crazy thing. When you're racing, there are other boats with other coxswains in the boat giving instructions. So you have to know Jesus well enough to hear his voice and follow his instructions steadfast remain under the authority of Jesus and stay focused godliness it's the it's the Greek word that just means authentic piety it, it goes in two directions first it's this correct understanding of who God is and this reverence and this awe for a God who is other who is holy but it's also the correct attitude and position toward other people. It's this genuine servant's heart where you give others their proper honor and respect. Add to that brotherly affection. It it refers to this idea of treating others as if they were members of your family. Now, some of you may be going, bro, you don't know my brother. Well, pretend Jesus is your brother. Um, It includes living in such a close relationship with others that you bear one another's burdens. You feel each other's joy and pain. You make room for others' opinions, feelings, ideas, and suggestions. It's the, it's the key to living in community together. And then lastly, love. It's the Greek word agape. It's, it's the kind of love that seeks the highest good of others. Puts their needs above your own needs. It means unconditional Devotion. It's the kind of love God showed us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus on our behalf. That move from faith to love may seem impossible. It may, it may be like, I, I can't do that. This, it takes, it's going to take too much effort, to use Peter's words, for me to get there. Here's the good news for you. Go back up to verse 3. Remember, his divine power has granted, has given to us all things we need. Everything you need to do this list of seven things has been given to you. here's, Here's a truth. You need to hear this. The gospel frees you from earning. You can't earn right standing with God. All right, we're clear on that. You can't earn your salvation. The gospel frees you from earning. Not from effort. The gospel empowers you for effort. Once you get pulled into the boat and handed an oar, start rowing. Why do we need to put all the effort in? Verse 8, For these quali- if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. The goal for us is not to be successful. The goal is to be fruitful. Don't be ineffective and unfruitful. This is is what Peter is saying. Look, if you put effort into these things, you will be fruitful. Verse 9, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. What he's saying there is some blind believers have failed to look back behind them at what God has done for them, and they can't see what God is doing for them in the future, where he's taking them, and they become fixated on one thing at the experience of everything. Like you... you, um, you have some pain in your life, and you're just fixated on that. Some event in your life you can't let go of, and it's just making you nearsighted and blind. You need to let go of that. Maybe there's a person in your life you can't forgive, and, and that's just all you can think about. How they've wronged you, and they're, it's, you've become nearsighted and blind. You need to forgive them. There are other ways we can become nearsighted and blind. I know. This thing rings and buzzes like it's important. Calls for our attention. Let me say this. If you wake up every day and start with this news... Instead of this news, you're going to become nearsighted and blind. If you wake up every day and you're on social media trying to figure out what the world thinks about you, you're going to become nearsighted and blind instead of hearing what the king says about you. Look, I'm not saying this is evil. But it can be. Don't be nearsighted and blind. God works for you in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. God works in you through the power of the Holy Spirit to give you everything you need for life and godliness to be a new person. And God works with you as you supplement and add to your faith. And finally, God works through you. For you, in you, with you, through you. God works through you. Verse 10 Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always So that's why Peter can say, if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. If you're in the boat rowing with Jesus, you will never fall. You're going to get to the destination he is taking us to. You may not be successful in the world's eyes, but you will be fruitful. Peter says... Stir you up. I, I, I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up. It seems like Peter thinks there's stuff for us to do, right? And you may be thinking, well, that's Peter. that' has nothing to do with me. Hebrews 10:24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Peter is saying, "What's well, true for me? That I'm here to stir you up, you need to do for one another it's like logs in a fire. If you have logs in a fire, they will burn, but if you separate them, eventually the flame goes out stir you up that's why that's why that's really why we gather every Sunday to stir you up a little bit to to maybe breathe some life into. The world you're living in. Encourage you some. Because out there, there's nothing to celebrate. In here, there's someone to celebrate. Listen, our God is Jesus. Our power is a divine power. Our destiny is a secure destiny. I love... Peter, Peter says because I know that the putting off of my body will be soon Peter says you know what I'm gonna die you, you you look around our world and this is people are this this is what I hear what if we die it's so bad what if we die you're gonna I don't don't know how, I don't know when, you're going to die. Wouldn't it be nice if we knew a guy who had defeated death and was standing on the other side of it waiting on us? I know a guy. Peter knows a guy. Do you know him? Listen, I'm, I'm trying to stir you up. Is Jesus Christ your God over this life and your savior through it? Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna stand up. We're gonna stir each other up this morning. You ready? Let's go. Listen to me. If Jesus Christ is your savior, I got good news for you, church. You have the righteousness of Christ. God's gonna multiply his grace, peace and knowledge to you continually. You're not stirred up yet. I'll keep mixing all day. You have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. You have a new Lord, a new nature, a new mind, a new power, new desires. You are cleansed from your sin. You were blind. Now you see. You were unfruitful. Now you're fruitful. All of this because God works for you. He works in you, he works with you, and he works through you so you can live a wholehearted life. Let's sing, church.